Welcome to this week's episode of The Divine Lantern. With the blessing of His Eminence, Metropolitan Basilios, the Antiochian Orthodox Archdiocese presents a podcast to educate, empower, and enrich. I'm your host, Atticus, from St. Nicholas Antiochian Orthodox Church in New South Wales. In this week's episode, we'll be joined by Reverend Father Jeff Harvey, who will be providing a message from the Gospel of Matthew, where Christ teaches that no person can serve two masters. This will be followed by short readings from our Philokalic Nourishment series, as well as a selected chanting track. We will then conclude today's episode with our Lives of the Saints series, as read by a member of our Archdiocese. Today's reading is from the Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, chapter 6, verses 22 to 33. The Lord said, The eye is the lamp of the body. So, if your eye is sound, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is evil, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light in you is darkness, how great is that darkness? No one can serve two masters. For either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you shall eat or what you shall drink, nor about your body, what you shall put on. Is not the soul more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of heaven. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add one cubit to his stature? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet, I tell you, even Solomon himself, in all his glory, was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O men of little faith? Therefore do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek all these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these things shall be yours as well. Today's Gospel comes in the Sermon on the Mount, which is found in Matthew's Gospel, chapters 5, 6 and 7. So when we look at the Sermon on the Mount, it's sometimes difficult to work out what's the common thread or what's Jesus driving at. And Unless we understand that, we're not going to understand what he's saying in today's gospel. When we look at the Sermon on the Mount carefully, we find that what makes sense of it, the thread running through it, is Jesus teaching his disciples and us about God the Father as a loving Father. In the Beatitudes, or the Sermon on the Mount, he says that God the Father is the author and sustainer of life. He says that he delights in his children and rewards them when they please him. He says that he forgives those who ask him. He says he values people highly. He said he provides 
for his people's needs. He says that he can be found by those who really seek him. And he says that he never inflicts his people with bad things, but loves to give them good things. So Jesus is communicating to his disciples and to us that God the Father is a loving Heavenly Father. And this really is the springboard into understanding today's passage. St. Paisios, in his book, With Pain and Love for Contemporary Man, says that when a little child is playing and is all absorbed with his toys, he's not aware that his father may be next to him, caressing him. If he interrupts his play a bit, then he will become aware of his father's caresses. Similarly, when we are preoccupied with too many activities and are anxiously concerned about them, when we worry too much about worldly matters, we cannot become aware of God's love. So we need to pause in our busy, anxious lives. And we do this by praying, by reading the Holy Scriptures, by attending the liturgy services as well. For example, in the Good Shepherd Parish, we read through the Psalter every day. It's shared out amongst 20 of us, and we all read a, 20, a 20th each day. And my passage today, uh, I read Psalm 51, verse 10, in the Orthodox Study Bible. It says, For I am like a fruitful olive tree in the house of God. I hope in God's mercy forever and to the ages of ages. In different translations, it comes through very strongly about God's love. I have put my trust in the committed love of God, forever and ever, one translation. I trust in God's unfailing love forever and ever. I trust in the loving kindness of God forever and ever. I trust in the unending love of God. So when we read the scriptures, we are confronted with this wonderful truth that God loves us always. It's a committed love. So in today's gospel, we find these two thoughts in Matthew 6:26, our Father in heaven values people highly. He values us highly. He loves us. He cares about us. He values us. And in Matthew 6:33, we find that our Father in heaven provides for his people's needs. We are his people. Therefore, he provides for our needs. He values us highly. He provides for our needs. Therefore, says the Lord, do not be anxious. Do not worry about material things. But we do, don't we? Why is this? When Jesus makes it so clear that we have a loving, heavenly Father. At the beginning of the Gospel reading, Jesus talked about the eye. In the Holy Scriptures, the eye is often used to represent the attitudes of mind if the eye is properly focused on the light, the body can function properly. But if the eye is out of focus and seeing double, this results in unsteady movements. Making good progress is very difficult if we're trying to look in two directions at the same time. And Jesus reinforces this idea in Matthew 6.24. He says, No one can serve two masters. You cannot serve God and mammon. Mammon is the Aramaic word for wealth or property. And Jesus is explaining that it's an alternative, in fact a dangerously attractive alternative, 
to God the Father in heaven. And we have to make our choice. And Jesus says in the last verse we heard this morning, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you. Now a kingdom has a king. In Australia we're a constitutional monarchy, a monarch, and that monarch is Queen Elizabeth II. The kingdom of God has a king, God the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And Jesus says, seek first the kingdom of heaven, and all these things will be added to you. Seek first our relationship with God through our prayers, through our reading of the Holy Scriptures, through our attending services. So why wouldn't we choose to focus our attention and our lives on our Heavenly Father when we know so much about him? Jesus has told us so much about him. Well, it's not easy. It's a challenge. We're drawn in two directions sometimes. And Jesus said, O men of little faith. And what he meant by that is that we see God as a loving Heavenly Father and we accept him perhaps 50% we believe that he really loves us and cares for us and will provide for us and perhaps 50% we've got to do it all ourselves. And he describes people like that as men of little faith. He's asking us to trust him 100%, to seek him first in everything. And when we seek God first, our Father in heaven, our loving heavenly Father first, then all these things will be added, he says. I'm a little hesitant about sharing this story, but I will, and I'll explain why I'm hesitant. Most of us probably know about Kraft Cheese. I think the company even bought the Australian Vegemite Company recently. But what we may not know is that James L. Kraft, the founder of this great food corporation, was a deacon and a superintendent of the Sunday school at his church. As a young man, he had a desire to be the most famous manufacturer and salesman of cheese in the world. He started out with a pony named Paddy and a little buggy. He would make his cheese, put it in the buggy, and drive Paddy down the streets of Chicago, selling his cheese. The days and months passed, and the young man began to despair. He was working hard and long with no success. One day he pulled the pony to a stop and began to talk to him. Paddy, something is wrong. Our priorities are not where they ought to be. Maybe we ought to serve God, give ourselves to him, and work as hard as we can. Then God will help us. So, Paddy, let us give ourselves to God and place him first in our lives. Mr. Kraft says that he drove the buggy home and there made a covenant that the rest of his life he would serve God first and then work as God would direct. We all know the rest of the story. Kraft has also in the last few years joined up with Heinz, and the Kraft Heinz Company is today the fifth largest food and beverage company in the world. Later in his life, James Kraft stated, I had rather be a layman in my church in Chicago than to head the greatest corporation in America. My first job is serving Jesus. If we would live like that, I believe we could change the whole course of civilization. What's our first job? My hesitation in, in sharing that story is that some people will say, ah, oh, here's a technique to be successful in life. 
But that's not why I've told the story. Uh, if you put Christ first in your life, it doesn't mean you're going to become a millionaire. You could become a fool for Christ. But if that's what God wants you to do, then you'll be fulfilled and content. If we put our King, our loving Father first, we have no need to worry because he loves us. We, never be, we may never be successful in the eyes of the world, but we will be enabled to do with our lives what our King wants, what our loving Father wants. Maybe some of us will be called to be priests, maybe some priests' wives, maybe some to serve on the parish council, maybe some to serve on the ladies' committee, maybe some to teach Sunday school, maybe some to work with the youth. And some will be successful businessmen because we need those in the church also to support with the financial life of the church. So in summary, we have a loving Heavenly Father and in that context we hear the words of Jesus saying, do not be anxious. Don't half trust God. Don't half doubt Him. Put our whole trust in Him. Seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and all these things will be added to you thank you father jeff for that powerful message and now a reading from the philokalia take your weekly spiritual dose and reflect on the words of our holy neptic fathers with this week's philokalic nourishment if you wish to pray you have need of god who gives prayer to him who prays Invoke him, then saying, Hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, that is, the Holy Spirit and thy only begotten Son. For so he taught us, saying, Worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Evagrios the Solitary If your intellect is freed from all hope in things visible, this is a sign that sin has died in you. If your intellect is freed, the breach between it and God is eliminated. St. Isaiah the Solitary The person struggling to enter the kingdom of God must excel in works of righteousness, in almsgiving, by providing out of his own paucity, and in suffering for the sake of peace, by responding to trials with patient endurance, in the Lord, Ilias the Presbyter. On July 10, in the Holy Orthodox Church, we commemorate the holy, glorious and right victorious new hieromartyr Joseph Mohanna al-Haddad and his companions. Saint Joseph of Damascus, as he is commonly known, was a weaver by trade. After he was married and ordained to the priesthood, Joseph was assigned great economos of the patriarchal cathedral of the Domitian of the Most Holy Theotokos in the heart of the old city of Damascus. On Monday, July 9, 1860, the brutal massacre of Christians which began in the Lebanese mountains spread to Damascus. Some Damascenes, including Michael Hawawini and his young wife Mariam, who was bearing in her womb a son, the future Saint Raphael, fled the city for Beirut. The majority, however, took refuge in Al-Mariamiyya. 
Joseph took up his communion kit containing the reserved sacrament, left his home and began to make his way to the cathedral by jumping from rooftop to rooftop in the old city. As he went, he stopped to confess and commune the aged and infirm who could not flee their homes, encouraging them with stories from the lives of the great martyrs. On the morning of Tuesday, July 10th, the cathedral was surrounded, pillaged and burned. Those inside perished in the flames. Of those who escaped and fled into the streets, most were caught and forced back into the burning building, while only a few, including Father Joseph, survived. As he roamed the narrow streets searching for survivors who needed confession and communion, Joseph was surrounded by the enemies of Christ. Seeing that his end was near, Saint Joseph took out his communion kit and consumed what remained of the body and blood of Christ. Recognizing him as the leader of the Christians, the persecutors savagely attacked and killed him with axes. Joseph and his companions were glorified by the Holy Synod of Antioch in 1993. Come ye faithful, let us honor the martyr of Christ, a priest of the Church of Antioch, who by the word of the word and by his blood and the blood of his companions baptized the land of Syria, its church and its people. Being immersed in the light of the gospel from his youth, he worked and taught and defended the Church of Christ and her flock. O Father Joseph of Damascus, be for us an example, defending us and interceding for us fervently before the Saviour. By the intercessions of your saints, O Christ God, have mercy on us and save us. Amen.
The following segment is a reading from the Lives of the Saints, or Synaxarion. We have chosen to continue our collection of readings on the lives of early church martyrs, of which we are thankful to bring a selected number of edifying accounts. We hope that these Synaxarions will empower you to put on the likeness of Christ, as did these witnesses and vessels of grace. On July 1st, we commemorate the holy martyrs, wonder workers and unmercenary physicians, Cosmos and Damien, who were born at Rome, brothers by birth and physicians by profession. They suffered at Rome in the reign of the Emperor Carinus. Brought up by their parents in the rules of piety, they led strict and chaste lives and they were granted by God the gift of healing the sick. By their generosity and exceptional kindness to all, the brothers converted many to Christ. The brothers told the sick, It is not by our own power that we treat you, but by the power of Christ, the true God. Believe in him and be healed. Since they accepted no payment for their treatment of the infirm, the holy brothers were called unmercenary physicians. Their life of active service and their great spiritual influence on the people around them led many into the church, attracting the attention of the Roman authorities. Soldiers were sent after the brothers. Hearing about this, local Christians convinced Saints Cosmos and Damien to hide for a while until they could help them escape. Unable to find the brothers, the soldiers arrested instead other Christians of the area where the saints lived. Saints Cosmos and Damien then came out of hiding and surrendered to the soldiers, asking them to release those who had been arrested because of them. At Rome, the saints were imprisoned and put on trial. Before the Roman emperor and the judge, they openly professed their faith in Christ God, who had come into the world to save mankind and redeem the world from sin and they resolutely refused to offer sacrifice to the pagan gods. They said, We have done evil to no one. We are not involved with the magic or sorcery of which you accuse us. We treat the infirm by the power of our Lord and Saviour Jesus Christ, and we take no payment for rendering aid to the sick, because our Lord commanded his disciples, Freely have you received, freely give. The emperor, however, continued with his demands. Through the prayer of the holy brothers, imbued with the power of grace, God suddenly struck Carinus blind, so that he too might experience the almighty power of the Lord, who does not forgive blasphemy against the Holy Spirit. The people, beholding the miracle, cried out, Great is the Christian God, there is no other God but him. Many of those who believed besought the Holy Brothers to heal the Emperor, and he himself implored the saints, promising to convert to the true God, Christ the Saviour, so the saints healed him. After this, Saints Cosmos and Damien were honourably set free, and once again they set about treating the sick. But what the hatred of the pagans and the ferocity of the Roman authorities could not do, was accomplished by black envy, 
one of the strongest passions of sinful human nature. An older physician, an instructor under whom the Holy Brothers had studied the art of medicine, became envious of their fame. Driven to madness by malice and overcome by passionate envy, he summoned the two brothers, formerly his most beloved students, proposing that they should all go together in order to gather various medicinal herbs. Going far into the mountains, he murdered them and threw their bodies into the river. Thus, these holy brothers, the unmercenary physicians Cosmos and Damien, ended their earthly journey as martyrs. Although they had devoted their lives to the Christian service of their neighbours and had escaped the Roman sword and prison, they were treacherously murdered by their teacher. The Lord glorifies those who are pleasing to God. Now, through the prayers of the holy martyrs Cosmos and Damien, God grants healing to all who with faith have recourse to their heavenly intercession. The unmercenary saints Cosmos and Damien of Rome should not be confused with the unmercenary saints Cosmos and Damien of Asia Minor or the unmercenary saints Cosmos and Damien of Arabia. Holy unmercenaries and wonder workers Cosmos and Damien visit our infirmities. Freely you have received, freely give to us. Having received the grace of healing, you grant healing to those in need. Glorious wonder workers and physicians, Cosmos and Damien, visit us and put down the insolence of our enemies and bring healing to the world through your miracles. Through the intercessions of your saints, O Christ our Lord, have mercy on us and save us. Amen. A big thank you to all our listeners as we conclude this week's episode of The Divine Lantern. Be sure to subscribe to our channel on your favourite podcast provider. For more information on our Archdiocese, follow us on our social platforms by searching Antiochian Orthodox Archdiocese Australia. Goodbye for now.